You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam, and on this episode of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam on the Broadway Podcast Network, I am recording at the Houdini Museum in New York City with the illustrious and timeless Mary Beth Peel. She is known to millions for her roles on Dawson's Creek and The Good Wife, but Mary Beth Peel has a rich history both on the theatrical and operatic stages. So don't go anywhere, because we'll be right back with two-time Tony nominee Mary Beth Peel. Hi, Mary Beth. Hi. I love being called timeless. Yes. <laughs> That's a nice one. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I'm I like glad. it. The older you get, the more you appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start, because you do have such a rich history in this business, let's start at the beginning. Why not? Um, you started out in opera. I sure did. And then you segued into musical theater, and eventually you moved into TV and film, and now you even are on streaming TV. I'm telling you, it's I am definitely my, I, I, yeah, there, I feel like there's nothing I won't try at least once. Yes, which is wonderful. And it's great to be asked. Yes. It's lovely to be asked. Yes. So before we get into the specifics of everything, let's find out for my new listeners, mm-hmm. who or what inspired you to become an actress slash singer? Well, when I was 15, I was given the at the time, felt like an onerous assignment of singing a solo in front of the high school assembly of 2,000 kids. Oh, wow. Of my peers. And um, I had always just sung in choir in church and school. And my mother was so nervous at the thought of my standing in front of 2,000 kids um, singing a solo that she signed me up for voice lessons. Oh, wow. And... I had maybe three voice lessons, and I took my glasses off and walked out on stage and sang in the still of the night to 2,000, you know, crazy kids, and my life literally changed that day. I, I, I became a different person to them, Wow! which made me think of myself, who I had always thought of as just this sort of fat, awkward girl with glasses Mm. um i through their eyes i i saw myself slightly differently and i realized that not only did i love to sing and that and not only was music a big part of my life but that it it could change my life Mm -hmm. what a powerful moment to have it was crazy i remember exactly what i wore i remember the moment i took my glasses off and i don't know what made me do that except that i've I associated wearing glasses with being ugly and unattractive, mm. which, of course, now <laughs> everybody, right. people wear glasses that don't need them because it's very fashionable. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow, that's an incredible story. Yeah. Yeah. And you were forever changed. I was. Yeah. I really was. Yeah. It's fascinating. And that that voice teacher that my mother, who knew nothing about music or singing, picked it. She interviewed two or three of the local voice teachers, she picked Ethel Waterman, and to this day, she was the best voice teacher I ever had. Wow. 
Wow, that's She got me off on the right start. Yes, yeah. that's great. And yeah. a, a good voice teacher is so important. It's important and almost, it, it's a question, it's like a marriage. It's yes. finding the right. It's not that there aren't a lot of good voice teachers. It's just that one who's right for one person could be totally wrong for someone else. Yes. So you started out being an opera singer. Um, how did that come about? You know, what made you want to study opera as opposed to musical yeah. theater? Well, at the time, um, because I was being trained classically by Ethel Waterman, mm-hmm. um, she felt very strongly that I had a future in opera. Mm-hmm. And as I began to learn more about opera, uh, I thought it seemed to me the perfect art form. Mm. Because it in performing art yes. form, it it involved music, singing, dance, drama. Um, I loved the music and I loved singing it. So I went to Northwestern as an opera major, and it was just the right fit. Mm-hmm. I I just it was just the right fit. And by the time I graduated, coincidentally, um, my opera. The man who ran the opera department at Northwestern, Robert Gay, who had worked with Boris Goldovsky. Now, we're talking about mm. ancient history here. <laughs> <laughs> Boris Goldovsky was the um, intermission feature for the old Metropolitan Opera broadcast, oh, Saturday wow. afternoon broadcast. And he was a, a Russian um, expatriate who, who sat at the piano and would explain the opera to you by, by playing it and singing it. And he was very big on opera in English, mm. bringing opera to this country in English. And he started his the first company, opera company, that performed in English. And I had just done a production of Traviata at Northwestern, and he was happening to do a production with his company in the fall, and he needed a Violetta. So there I was. Oh, my gosh. There I was. I popped right out of the university opera workshop to my first professional job in that New is York. everybody's dream. It was crazy. Yes. It was crazy. Yeah. And then you, um, uh, what were some, uh, and you did, sorry, you did opera for, for a number of years. Like, for uh, 20. Yeah, 20 years. 20 years. And then yeah. you segued into musical theater. I did my first musical because in those days, I mean, we're talking about the 60s, mm-hmm. 70s, it was very frowned upon. There were some men. I knew some men who who crossed, who did both music theater and opera. Baritones who the baritone voice is very similar to the speaking voice, mm-hmm. so it wasn't that big a jump. Yeah. Um, but I and I there were a few women that had done music theater, but it was very discouraged, mm. very looked down upon, very frowned upon. Mm. Um, but in the early 80s, um, the opera companies in this country were just starting to realize they could make some money doing musical theater. Mm. And I think they th- it was a company in Michigan that started doing Sondheim, and then, you know, one after another, they started doing it. So Minnesota Opera, where I'd sung many, many times, decided to do Kiss Me Kate. Oh, wow. Which is a perfect transition. Yes. Because it's classical theater. The vocal demands need a really well classically trained singer and I spoke lines out loud for the first time wow. <laughs> I spoken lines yeah and I, I I thought I would probably lose my voice during rehearsals mm-hmm. eight hours of speaking and and especially in that show where you're yelling yes and then singing and then yelling and singing and actually quite the opposite happened every day I went home and I felt stronger mm. 
because I was no longer protecting myself. Mm-hmm. As a classical, as an opera singer, it's such an athletic form, and the the those little tiny little vocal cords they are responsible for so much. Yes, singing over a sixty piece orchestra in a huge halls it, and yes. everything. And for the first time, I was free of that, and mm. I, I both physically and emotionally and mentally, I just got stronger. Mm. Did you prepare differently? for performing in the musical theater no. show as opposed to opera? No, I didn't know what to... I, 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 I didn't have time to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> I, just did, I just did it. And I had a wonderful director and conductor who I worked in opera with who, who were theater people, too. Mm-hmm. And my leading man was a man, John Reardon, wonderful John Reardon, who I'd done opera with. Mm. So... And he helped me. Mm, oh, that's wonderful. So everybody helped me. That's nice. It was very lucky very to have fortuitous. such a supportive. I feel like I've been taken care of through my whole life. Yes, yes. Yeah. Were there any challenges that you faced, either going from opera to musical theater, or um, just well, within? Well, yes, because I was forty. Four, no, what was I? Forty. I was forty-three. I was forty-three years old, and I only really sung opera and concert and oratorio and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came back to New York after that experience with Minnesota Opera, and <laughs> I did the unthinkable thing. I can't imagine now that I w- would do such a thing, but I rented um, a hall, what is now the Kaufman Music Theater oh, on yes, 67th mm-hmm. Street. I rented the hall for an hour. I hired a pianist. I put together a program of about a half an hour of everything from arias to art songs to Leonard Bernstein to Rodgers and Hammerstein oh my to Kiss Me Kate. And I invited everyone I knew, um, friends, um, directors, conductors, um, agents. I didn't have an agent at the time, but just mm. I just invited everyone I knew to come for, give me an hour on a, I think it was like a Tuesday afternoon. And I just presented my case. Wow. I said, you all know me as an opera singer. This is what I've always done. This is who I am. I'm now 43 years old. I just did my first musical. And I think I'm an actor who sings instead of a singer who acts. And can anybody help me? <laughs> I need advice. I need guidance. Mm-hmm. I got three jobs. Oh, my gosh. I, I walked away from that afternoon with um, a Most Happy Fellow with one of the opera companies and a um, two Kiss Me Kates. That's fascinating. Well, it I was, mean, you really took like control of, I, of your destiny. I obviously, the light bulb went on, and I, I um, again, it was one of those, my seeing myself differently. Yes. it was one of those moments, mm. like taking my glasses off. Well, I took the, the constraints of being the opera perfectionist. Yeah, took those strains off and um, said, "I have to do it," and it. It worked out great wow. because within a month, I had an audition for Yul Brynner to do Kiss Me, Kate. I oh, mean, King uh, and I. King and I, yeah. yes. Oh, my God. Because the word spread around my friends. Yes, how wonderful and, and, and talented. There you go. And yes, that's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Wow, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Um, and now you also spent almost 30 years on stage before working in TV and film. So what was it like for you on those first few projects in TV and film to you know, be such an accomplished stage actress and singer and now you're working in a brand new medium? Well, I remember my agents um, had a really hard time 
even getting getting me auditions mm. for camera on camera work but they just kept putting it out there mm-hmm. putting it out there putting it out there and um I remember talking to a casting director I had gone in on a probably a lawn order or something and um I'd been doing music theater and um I hadn't done any real yeah no that's not true I'm, it's so funny. I'm trying to. I'm looking at the back at the dates. I hadn't really done any real um, theater theater yet. Mm-hmm. I, I I was in class. I took I went right into a serious wonderful acting class with Michael Howard, mm-hmm. and so I was learning to make mistakes and learning to really speak lines. Mm. You know, it, right? Because you were so used to singing. Because I was used to singing. Yes. Um, but they, I, I talked to a casting director, a cam, on-camera casting director, and he said, no, you're getting closer and closer. Just keep doing it. Mm. Just keep doing it, which is what I tell all the, anyone who asks me. Just keep doing it. But I, I did find, once I started doing uh, camera work, it helped my theater work because there's something about, and I remember Julie Haggerty telling me this years ago, just be honest. Mm. Don't worry about anything just be honest. And I thought, well, that's easy to say. What the <laughs> hell does that mean? <laughs> but I, I now know what she meant. And um, there's something about knowing that the audience, uh, not the audience, but the ta- the camera mm-hmm. really literally sees into your soul mm. or into what's coming out of your eyes. That's what the camera sees. Mm-hmm. So there's a degree of honesty that, that you that's going to sound terrible, but you don't really have to have it on stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You need for the audience and the fourth wall yes. to see what you want them to see. Right. But you can trick them. Yes, right. It's a different I mean, way. That's called acting. Right, right. <laughs> if you, you know what I mean. It's, it's pretend. Stage, it's it's different, right. It's pretend. Right. And, um, yeah, and I, so I found that um, the, the, the give and take of there's a balance and... E- between the the on camera um, work has helped me be more daring to be more honest on stage, mm. and the discipline of being on stage eight shows a week, long days of rehearsal has helped me with cam on camera work. Mm, interesting. Yeah. It's nice to see how they both have yeah. Have flipped I think they can inform. They don't always. Yes. And a lot of people would disagree with me. I was going to say, some people have Many said, people would yeah, disagree with yes. me. Yes. <laughs> everybody has their own experience. Everybody has their own experience and their own way of working, for yes. sure. Yes. Yeah. But I'm, for you, I'm glad that it has helped on both sides. Boy, me too. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Yes. Yes. Well, we're going to now talk about uh, your first series regular show that you got, which was Dawson's Creek. That's right. Um, which is how I came to know you. Oh, yeah. Yes. You were yes. a creaky. <laughs> yes, I sure was. I sure was. Oh, I love that yeah, show. I did, too. We had a wonderful time. What made you want to audition for that show initially? I actually didn't want to audition. I was in L.A. I had gone out to L.A. to do a, um, a Gurney play, um, Sylvia. Mm, yes. Um, at a little theater non it was equity theater in LA and while I was there my agent sent me out for camera stuff for Mm -hmm. auditions and they kept sending me this saying they they're doing this tv show called Dawson's Creek and here are the sides and there were two pages with a character named Grams and a character named Gramps 
And I had no idea what it was. It didn't say if it was 19th century Tennessee, mm. if it was, I mean, Dawson's Creek. Right. I thought, well, maybe it's Alaska. Maybe right. it's the gold rush. Right. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. I had no idea who these people were, what period it was. And I just sort of looked at it and I thought, well, I can't do this. And I kept not being able to do it because I had, I don't remember. I had other conflicts. I was never mm. able to go for the audition. Mm. They had they had me signed up twice to go for an audition, and I couldn't do it. And then one morning they called and said, said listen, this is the last day. They still want to see you, so just go. So I went to the studio, and I sat in the hallway, and I looked up, and there was a big poster for Dawson's Creek, and there was James Vanderbeek's face. Mm-hmm. Now, I had played... James Vanderbeek's mother about six years earlier in an Edward Albee play at the in the early days of the Signature Theater when they were doing the year of Edward Albee. Wow. And Albee had directed us. Oh my god. And it was James's I think it was his first theater. He was still in high school. Oh wow. He was studying for his SATs when we were doing Oh my God. <laughs> so I saw his picture up there and I thought, well, this is interesting. I think this is a sign. <laughs> <laughs> so I went in and I, I asked them, I said, tell me what, who are these people and is it period? Is it 18th century, 19th century, 20th century? Is it Tennessee? Is it Alaska? Where is it? And they said, they said Cape Cod. And I said, oh, okay. And, and Cape Cod now. And so I immediately did a little faux Bostonian accent uh-huh. and I got the job. Oh my God. I don't know what to tell you. It was That's crazy. incredible. And what a small yeah. world to be Very sitting there and all of a sudden world. to see James's face. It was and, a real sign. Yeah. It was a sign. And then when we when we started shooting, the director, directors and the producers were all, they all came to me and said, we're so grateful that you're here because these kids are all kids. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're grateful for the experience. And I thought, you should only know <laughs> I am the least, probably the least experienced <laughs> on-camera person here. I had done one law and order at yes, that point. Yes. And some of the the boys, especially um, um, uh, you know, oh, Josh. Oh, uh, Josh, Josh Jackson, Jackson had yes. done quite a bit of film. Anyway, that was funny, but I didn't give away my secret, but it was great. It was a great experience. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, we're definitely glad you got the role. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, what was, oh, so what was it like for you to be a series regular? Because this was your first experience. Totally my first experience. And we, um, I had to m- move down to um, Wilmington, North Carolina, mm-hmm. which was another amazing experience to to be um really in a totally different you know environment but the work schedule was such that we we, they kept us pretty busy oh wow and i took it very seriously Mm -hmm. you know i i had never done it before so it was um it was really lovely and it was lovely working with the the kids and watching them grow yes yes it was really lovely did they look to you for guidance at all? Um, not really. I think the only person who did was Michelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and I mean, fortunately, she and I had mo- I, most of my scenes were right, with her. Yes, and and I knew right away that talk about honest. Yeah, this girl <laughs> does not have a dishonest bone in her body, <laughs> which at the time was 
causing her a lot of pain because mm. she was not not happy with herself. If mm. she wasn't happy with, and she was very harsh judgment, harsh judge of her herself. Mm. So, um, we spent a lot of time talking about there's a fine line between being honest and being hard on yourself, mm. and you have to trust that the work you're doing is really good. Yes, yes. really good. And she always had that quality. Mm -hmm. I remember saying to her once, I, I'd seen one of the episodes that we had just shot. I, I guess I saw it on, on TV a, a month later. And it was a script that I wasn't in or I didn't, I hadn't seen the scene before. Mm -hmm. And I thought, she's a comedian. Mm. She made me laugh so hard. I laughed out loud. That's hard to do yeah. when you're sitting alone watching TV. <laughs> TV comedy is hard anyway, but yes. I think it's especially hard in TV series. And um, and I thought she's always had a quality of that classic Hollywood star. Mm -hmm. Yes. And clearly they think so now. It's, I well, mean, it's now everybody knows. Right, <laughs> now exactly. everybody knows. Exactly. Yeah, but she always, she just always had that. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to her doing a comedy. Yes. <laughs> oh, that should be great. She is really, really, really funny. Well, I can't wait to see honest. that happen. Right? She's honest. Yeah. And, that, yep. and that's what you need. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride. However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. What was it like when you saw James for the first time on set? What was that reunion like? Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, it was great. Did it was just great. It was silly. You know, you can't make these things up. Right, right. <laughs> and now I realize, having done it enough years now, that the the world of film and TV is just as small a world as the world of theater. Mm. So you do keep crossing paths and you do keep running into the same people, oh, that's, thankfully, that's which nice. is very yeah. sweet. Yeah. Very sweet. Do you still keep in touch with the cast? Yeah, yeah pretty much so, nice. so. Michelle, for sure. James. Yeah. We had a reunion about a, maybe, a, gosh, it's maybe two years ago now, a year or two ago. It was very, it was wonderful. Oh, that's so oh, nice. Oh, it was so much fun. I know all yeah. Dawson's Creek fans are hoping for a reboot. Yes, I know. The rumor, the rumor runs. <laughs> yes, yes. The rumor runs deep. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. I know they. I know James, like, made um, 
sort of uh, poked fun at it on, on uh, Don't Trust the Bean Apartment 23 mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. that series. I love that series. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was, a, I, I loved that moment. And at one point I was like, oh my God, could this really happen? Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was great. Yeah. I, I, that, I love that series just because how he gave such Wasn't a comedic that, sense. Isn't that great? To, oh no, yeah. he's another one. Yes. Oh, I remember the first time he hosted Saturday Night Live. It was like, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's so game. Yes. Yes. He's totally game. Yes. Yeah. It's it's terrific. Yeah. It was it was a great time to to watch that show and it must be now such a great time to be like continue to be in touch with everybody and yeah. just to see, to see how, how everybody has going. Yeah. yeah. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um now, I also had the pleasure of seeing you on Broadway in the revival of Nine, starring yes. Antonio Banderas. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, what are some stories you can tell us about working with him? Well, <laughs> the, the, the most obvious story is that he was the only man in the room. Yes. With a dozen women, most of whom, all of whom were gorgeous. Yes. And talented and compelling and smart and he and um david laveau who was the director were the only two men in the room and it was such a wonderful working environment Mm. i think we were all shocked everyone thought oh it's going to be a lot of um caddy you know, mm-hmm. women territorial, sniffing around, <laughs> seeing who could be Antonio's favorite and who could be David's favorite. There, there really, there wasn't. That's so nice to hear. It was really, it was really lovely. And it was, there was something very, um, I want to use the word innocent. Mm. Mm, but again, I guess it has to do with honesty. But there definitely is a sweetness about Antonio that he made sure that every woman felt appreciated, loved, mm. taken care of, as did David. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lovely experience. That's so nice. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really nice. And he was great. I mean, I remember at the stage door, he was just so generous to everybody there yes. and really took the time to... He's a lovely, yeah. lovely man. Yes. It's nice to hear that that what we see from an audience perspective, is the, is the same as, as you working yeah. with him. Yeah. He's not acting. He yeah, really is right. that. Right, that is how he that, is. And, yes. and he worked so hard. I've never, I've never known anyone to work as hard as he did because mm. he wanted, he, he, he appreciated and had respect for what it takes to do eight shows a week mm-hmm. of a musical. Yes. Using your voice mm-hmm. to sing and speak, and then all that energy and the show rides on him. He learned, he, he, he studied before he started rehearsal. He would rehearse eight hours a day. He would go to the hotel, have dinner, and do the show again wow. with a, his assistant at night. So he would literally, all through rehearsal, he was doing the show twice twice a day to build up his strength yes. and his confidence and his voice. Wow. And he he just got better and better and better because he knew what it took. Yes. Yes. It was I saw it at least twice. Mm-hmm. It was it was fantastic. Yeah. And you had that beautiful song nine. Oh I know. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Ooh, I oh love I love so, it. Yeah. I me love too. it. What um did you have any stage mishaps or anything? In nine? Yes. Or I don't any we, shows. 
Oh, many. Or <laughs> do you but, want to start? But I was no. specifically asking for no, one. No, in nine, I don't, myself, I don't remember having, I probably did, but there was a lot of um, dangerous, potentially dangerous times because there was so much water on the stage. Yes, yes. There was water everywhere. And I know we were all concerned about Cheetah because she was at... 70 something mm-hmm. doing these amazing <laughs> dancing, huge dance number dance number and with her five inch heels yes. and her legs up over her head <laughs> yes. but um she never had any problems but you know <laughs> that's great yeah what's the biggest uh in in any of the shows you've been in what do you think has been like your biggest mishap on stage oh the day my costume fell off um, on stage with Will burner in um King, King and I. Oh my God! The ball gown. Oh my The famous gosh. ball gown in the shall we dancing. Wow. Yes, he had um, told me right from the first day of rehearsal that what made this number work, what created the sexual tension, which wasn't when Rogers and Hammerstein first wrote the show, wasn't there at all. Mm. He and Gertrude Lawrence sort of added that oh wow yeah it's a very it's a long that's another long story <laughs> um his version of the story anyway yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but he said what makes it work is he stands stage right as far stage right as can be and i stand stage left we're looking at each other and i've already sort of demonstrated the dance to him mm-hmm. he comes very slowly across the stage with his hand very slowly extending toward my waist mm-hmm. and we but we've locked eyes when he's on the other side of the stage we've locked eyes and the, the my orders were to never look away oh my gosh and that tension between the eyes it was up to I, all i had to do was stand there and look at him. The tension was coming from him locking eyes mm-hmm. and moving like a leopard slowly across the stage with his hand slowly coming toward my waist. Oh my so everyone's gosh. holding their breath, including me, except the day that I felt something happen. And I looked down and saw that the hook, the huge hooks and eyes that held the skirt to the bodice of this incredibly huge ball gown had come undone oh somehow God. and was falling down over the hoop skirt and I could see my legs through the <laughs> and my shoes through the netting of, over the hoop skirt. Oh my gosh. Now the reason I looked down is because as he came toward me, he looked down <laughs> because he was the only one that could see it. I felt something, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. He saw it. I saw him look down, <laughs> then I looked down, then I looked back at him in terror. And I, as he came and put his hand on my waist, I reached my hand behind and held the skirt up and did the whole rest of the scene hold with one hand behind my back, oh. holding my skirt up oh as we did the gosh. whole dance and the whole whipping scene. I mean, it's a big scene. Wow. Yeah. Yes. That was, oh my God. That was crazy. Yes. But and at least you kept the, the gaze as he looked down, gaze, you, looked, you looked down. Kept the gaze, and I don't think that anyone really noticed. Yeah. The other time, well, I had a really dramatic one, which, I, which the audience thought was part of the act, was in Kiss Me, Kate, in the 
early days of my music theater career <laughs> when I jumped up on the well and sang a high B flat and my wig popped off. Oh my gosh. And the audience thought it was the greatest. <laughs> How did you make it happen on your high note? Well, there you go. That's right. Yeah. That's a great story. Those are two great stories. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it. All right. Well, now let's get to the main reason we're here today to talk about After Forever, which uh, yes. is an incredible, incredible new sh- new show on Amazon Prime. Oh yeah. my God, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so you are on episode four of the second season. You play Helen, which is uh, Brian's mother, and Brian is played by co-creator and three-time daytime Emmy winner Kevin Spiritus. Um, so how did you get involved with After Forever? I've known Kevin and Michael for a long time. Don't ask me where, how, or why. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> just just the, the small world of theater. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they, they, they had asked, they had talked about doing something the first season, and I, I wasn't able, and, and then this scene came up, and they asked me to do it, and I said yes, and there you have it. It's a beautiful scene. It's a beautiful scene. Yes. And it really gives such insight into into Brian and into yes, his character yes. and into his relationship with his mother and his well, his parents as well. And his whole the whole char- his whole character of how he is spiritually, emotionally in touch with the people who have yes who are around him but who have left him. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, what did would you relate to most about Helen? Well, I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, there's yes. everything uh, about Helen I related mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now that scene, because the whole episode is only 10 minutes, so that scene is... It's, is it's so just... incredible to have so much happen with so few words. Yes. I love yes. that. Yes. I love that. How, how long did you spend filming that... Hardly any. Oh, wow. No, we had an afternoon. Oh, wow. We had an afternoon, Yeah. It was short and sweet. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I I, lo- I do love how, like, in such a short amount of time, so much information, you're informed on so much. It's really right, incredible. Right, right. It's, a, it's one of the beauties of this kind of um, stream, I don't know what you call it, yeah, digital streaming. Digital streaming, digitals, streaming. Yes. Yeah. And good TV writing in general, when it's spare mm-hmm. and you can because a camera can, helps you yes yes but when it's really good spare writing it's very powerful yes and that yeah. show is written so well isn't it beautiful yes i was so excited that there it was a second season yeah um and i love you know each episode is 10 minutes and you can watch the whole season in 90 minutes yeah and, and you feel very very fulfilled yes yes yeah. so um and uh I mean, that's why it's won five, five Daytime Emmy Awards. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not an accident that right. it's an, been an award winner. I love the openings. The, yes. That, those, I forget what you call those. Uh, those. It's like a, it's like a, sort of like a flashback memory. Yeah. But it's a flashback, but it's a forward to what's coming yes. in the next episode. Yes. It's so beautiful. It's so well done. Yeah. Everything about it yeah. is great. And I'm thrilled that you're able to be part of it. Me too. I'm hoping there's a third season. Oh, we all are. And yeah. um, I hope... I hope you'll be back in, in another way. Well, I mean, I'll still have to be a ghost. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which is fine. But because we need more of those Because Brian is, is, is prone to visiting his, yes. <laughs> visiting yes. his, his ex-lover and, or his still lover right, and, right. and his still mother. Right, 
Yeah. I was going to say, maybe you could be more of a ghost in, in more scenes. I think so. Yes. Yes. I'll root for that. Yes. You root for that. I will. And I will let Kevin know to <laughs> get that going exactly. for season three. Exactly. Okay. So let's switch gears for a moment. And we're going to play a game inspired by your appearance on After Forever. Uh-oh. Called Mother Knows Best. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what was the best advice your mother ever gave you? Ah, listen to your heart. Listen mm-hmm. to your inner voice. Mm-hmm. Listen to your first instinct. Don't second guess yourself. I mean, you will second guess yourself, but you'll probably go back to finding out that your first instinct, which she would call your heart, mm-hmm. is true. That's wonderful mm-hmm. advice, yes. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with that because yeah. so many times I second guess myself and lo and behold, I should have just yeah. listened to what I she knew. Had, I had a wonderful relationship with my mother and I, I at certain times I would accuse her of being psychic because I said, <laughs> how do you know what my heart is? How did you know that that's what I was thinking? How did you know that's the way that was going to turn out? You know, she just, she just, she had a, she had a gift. Yeah. And, um, Yeah. Sounds like a beautiful gift that, it was. that she had. It was. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, what do you feel is the best advice you've given your children? I, I, you'd have to ask that. <laughs> I would never presume. No. No. Yeah. I, I do remember spending a lot of time. It's interesting how honesty and truth keeps coming up mm-hmm. in this conversation. Yes. As a mother, I do remember feeling like the hardest thing was explaining what lying is and Mm. why it's dangerous and why you get yourself into trouble Mm -hmm. that sometimes you have to lie because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings Mm -hmm. but when it comes to lying about things that you've done Mm -hmm. you have to be very careful (laughs) because and we are living in a world where we're i mean ironically we're living now in a world where the even the concept of what is a lie and what is true is questionable yes and upper grass yes i find that astonishing mm-hmm. i mean every day alternate we're facts. fed yes what the hell what is that supposed to mean right. alternate facts yeah it's right. very lewis carroll ish yes yeah and um uh was there this one i'm not sure if you'll answer or not <laughs> was there ever a time you created a wall between you and your parents like brian did with with his mother. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 When I was, you know, first, I mean, it's not any big deal. I think every kid does that. When I was sexually, you know, first sexually awake. Yes. <laughs> yes. Awakened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely was not sharing. Yeah. No. And every kid does. Exactly. Yes, does That's create not, that wall. Yeah. As far as, yes. you know, beyond that, not really. Not anything that didn't eventually come down. Yes. Him. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. Well, that's the whole game. So thank you for oh, playing. Oh, that was fun game. Yes. Yes. Um, and now we have just our last few. So I love how you continue to work between film, television, and stage. Do you, are there some career goals you still want to fulfill that you haven't? Yes. And what are they? I want to do Madame Armfelt in a fully staged production of Little Night Music. Yes. I do. <laughs> that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic and timely and yeah. Well, we I That's feel the only like, thing I know of. Okay. I mean, okay. I am I'm, I'm as I said earlier, I'm game for I'm game. Yes. I like that you that you're open to so many possibilities. Absolutely. And I I think that's one of the things that probably has kept you working so much because you are so open to yeah. everything. And it's made me feel not old. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning, you're timeless. Yes, yes. you did say yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I think we're due for a, a little night music revival. It has been over 10 years, I, I think. It has since be at least a year since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's a, it's such a beautiful, uh, it's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a Sondheim. Yes. It's aficionado <laughs> anyway, but it's such a beautiful show. Well, I think any producers listening to this podcast, let's get a revival let's and get let's a, get Mary Beth Peel. I actually, I, I did a, I had a wonderful experience last summer. Um, it was a week in Tangiers in Morocco that wow. Rob Ashford and his partner Kevin put together. They had a cast of half Brits and half Americans, mm -hmm. and we flew to Tangiers. We rehearsed for three days and put on a semi-on-book, uh -huh. staged, beautiful production of Little Night Music. Oh, wow. It was ex it was magical. And David Chase did an uh, orchestration of piano, cello, and harp. Oh, my gosh. It was so beautiful. Wow, I wish we could have seen that. Yes, I know. I wish everyone could have, but you know, I don't think it, it, it was just one of those. It was such a, it was like a dream we all talk about. Was that a dream? Wow. Did that really happen? Well, maybe yeah. that's the start of something. Well, it's what down got the road. It's yeah. what wet my appetite for yes. sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna keep hoping that there's a revival and you get cast. Okay, you put that out. I, 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 I we are great. <laughs> um, what are some hobbies you have outside of performing? I um I knit. I'm um I've become a political junkie. Mm. I don't think that's a necessarily a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably not a very healthy hobby. Um I do yoga. Mm -hmm. Um most I I don't I don't know that I love to cook, but I don't I don't know that any of those things feel like hobbies to me. They just feel like things I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think they're they're interests. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I used to be a voracious reader. I I find mm. myself of late not reading the way I used to. Um, I may not feel old, but my t my eyes are old. Mm. <laughs> my eyes get tired. Do you listen to to books like on no, like audio books? No, I don't. I love the I love read. I love the book mm -hmm. book, and I love the newspaper. I do read the paper sometimes online if I'm out of town, mm -hmm. but I still get it delivered. I still love reading it in the morning. And uh, I'm just, I'm sort of a curmudgeon, I guess, a, a Luddite. Yes. I'm a little set in I my ways. Word. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the, actually this stems a, a, a sort of spontaneous question for me. Um, so w when you read the paper, yeah. how do you have to read the paper? Like, is there a section you read first every day? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I start by pulling out the sports section mm -hmm. and I throw it down <laughs> and, unless there's something's really going on mm -hmm. that, that I want to know about or that I don't already know about. Um, the business section, I've actually discovered in the last year or two, the business section has more information about showbiz mm. than a lot of times the art section does. Oh, wow. It's very interesting. I have to remember that. Yeah, it's fascinating. And because my son is um, in the financial world, I, I, I often glance to see what's going on because I, I know I, I have to be able to hold up my end of a conversation with him about something mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I know will come up. <laughs> and then I go to the art section and I check through just to see 
if there's anything I want to read. I've stopped, pretty much stopped reading reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, because I like to form my own opinion, and sometimes I feel like the the thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, thing, it just doesn't. You don't learn anything. It's not, you know. There are some some reviewers that I will read mm-hmm. because I feel like I I will usually learn something yes. from what they have to say, yeah. whether they liked it or not. And then um, then I pull out the crossword puzzle, and then, <laughs> and then I look at the front page. I glance through it and I turn to the op-ed page and I usually, by the end of the morning, by the time I finished my breakfast, I'm reading the rest of the front section mm-hmm. and the op-ed page. And then I save the crossword puzzle for when I go for my morning ablutions. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. that is <laughs> To start the day. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. That's about I it. Love that. It takes about that. an hour. All right. <laughs> to go through the, the breakfast yes. and the paper. And the, yeah. Terrific. Well, we're up to the last two questions. Um, do you have any projects coming up that you'd like to tell us about? I do, actually. There's a, there's a piece that has been in the works for several years, um, and it's being revisited again. It's a workshop that we're doing of an adaptation of Harold and Maude. Oh, Wow. Tom Jones, who wrote um, The Fantastics. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the uh, book and the lyrics, I don't know, many, many, several years ago. And they did a production at Paper Mill that was, I guess, troubled. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know. And they they pulled it and decided to rework it. And Joe Thalken, who's a wonderful music director, mm-hmm. composer, wrote the music. And we started revisiting it about a year ago. And um, and then they pulled it again, and they've been working on it. They've thrown out some music and written some new music. Mm-hmm. And my dear friend Vicki Clark is directing it. Oh, wow. She's become a really, yes, really good director, you know. She's done a lot of directing. She recently. started out wanting to be a director. Mm, and it, so interesting. It, it, so it's come full circle. She'd be a good person yes, for you to interview. Yes, I was just going to say. Yeah. Yes, yes. She's on my radar to yes, get. Yeah. Yes. Um. So we're doing a workshop uh, again in April, and we'll see. I'm curious to see what they've changed yeah. and what they've come up with. And Oh, very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Terrific. Well, we'll keep our eye out for that. Yeah. And then there's Katie Keene. Oh, what's Katie that? Keene. I can't. I have to smile every time I say the name. <laughs> Katie Keene. Is, Katie Keene is a, a spinoff of the um, very popular... CW series called Riverdale. Oh, yes. Which is the Archie comic book yes, thing. Yes, yes. Katie Keene, girl designer, comes to New York to make her fame and fortune and works at Lacey's department store. Oh, I love it. And I am Mrs. Lacey. Ooh. I think of myself as Mrs. Bergdorf Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> and did yeah. that start airing yet? Or? It did. It's, okay. on, um, it's on the CW, which I think is Channel 11. Yes. On Thursdays at 8. Oh, terrific. Well, we will tune in. Tune in. Yes. Oh, I love it. Yep. Great. Um, And then I always end my interviews playing off of the title of my podcast, Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. So if you were to bear it all and reveal something about yourself or your career that you have not told in a previous interview, is there anything you would like to tell me today? It's such a funny question because you already know that there are, I'm such a private person. Yes. Um. I think probably the the 
this is not exact, this is kind of a tricky answer to your tricky question, mm -hmm. <laughs> is that um, what I would bear all to you is that I have absolutely no, well, I have some boundaries as far as talking about my career and the business, mm -hmm. theater business, um, with anyone who wants to ask. But I, I'm very, very protective of my private life. Mm. And my children's private life, mm -hmm. and my grandchildren's private life, and I've probably become over the last ten years even more so because the concept of privacy is gone. Yes, yes, it's gone. There's so much that's it's just shocking to me. Mm -hmm. And my first, my first thought always is, who would want to know? <laughs> <laughs> so. I think that's a great answer. That's my to, answer. To the question. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I love that answer. Good. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And everybody listening to this podcast, watch Mary Beth Peel on, you, you have to say the, this show again. Katie Keen. Katie Keen on the CW yes, on Thursdays. Thursdays at 8. And we'll look for the uh, Mac and Mabel uh, workshop as it develops. <gasps> Harold and Mont. Harold and Mont. Oh my God! Oh, those you know names. what I was thinking of Mac and I know, because, because it's that's on City right Center now. right now. Yeah, Harold and Maude. Oh and my Maud. gosh! Yes, we'll look the for musical. Harold and Maude. The musical. Harold and Maude. The musical. The musical coming up, yeah. and um and watch Mary Beth Peel on After Forever episode four season two. Yeah. Watch the whole series. But watch the whole series the, for sure. But especially that episode yeah. with her. Yes. Thank you for listening and thank you for joining me Thanks, today. Thanks, Adam. It was great fun. Thank Wonderful. You. You're welcome. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him, had him, lived for the business of show. Call me Adam.com. Thanks for listening. For more Call Me Adam interviews, visit callmeadam.com and follow me on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at callmeadamnyc.